the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Let's talk stocks, investing in more. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing in you. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. You can call the show at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We can talk about Walmart versus Amazon. There's something, there's a book that I read many, many years ago called The Death of Competition. I think it's a must read if you want to sharpen your brain as far as it, when it comes to business concepts and business ideas. I'm not saying you got to do it. I'm saying that I think it's important if you want to play the game to try to get something other than the investment books, how to beat Wall Street. You know, uh, 10 stocks in 10 days, $10 million. That's not what you really, I'm not saying that's not what you really want. Um, but it's kind of the direction I want you to go. Um, on Stock Talk, I'm going to talk about stocks and sectors and investing and do everything that I can. So there's something that I want to get to pretty quickly, though, is some of the products that you need. Like I said, I don't think you need day trader tips. I don't think you need books on how to become a billionaire after your first millions. I think that's the kind of stuff that ultimately gets a lot of people in very big trouble. What you think you need is a lot of data and a lot of good concepts in your head. Um, I like the Wall Street Journal as a good start to a generic, big, broad-based, paintbrush approach towards money. I like the business section of the New York Times. I think that works quite well. Then I want you to start thinking, okay, if I'm going to become a good investor, and I'm going to talk stocks, I'm going to talk sectors, but first I want to talk some megatrends. And over the next 15 to 20 years, these trends are going to be so dominant, there's going to be a lot of money to be made in them. Trends could be things like the United States needs better infrastructure. We've heard Donald Trump say we need a trillion dollars for infrastructure. Now, that's not going to happen in the short term, but in the long term, I think it's kind of the right idea. So over the next 15 to 20 years, and when you have infrastructure, you need things like Caterpillar. So you need things like John Deere. Um, you need some of the engineering firms out there. 
as far as portfolio plays goes. Consultant Broker Advisor for Data Action and Stocks mentioned on the show. But over the next 15 to 20 years, continued giving from groups like the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is going to lift millions of people out of poverty. Now, I'm actually kind of sad that the Clinton Foundation got shut down because I used to know someone who worked in, in charitable logistics tied towards, <clears throat> tied towards disasters, so things like when Haiti would crop up or famine in Ethiopia. Uh, this group would go over there and help facilitate how Bill Gates' money and the Gates, found, uh, the Gates Foundation money and how the Clinton Foundation money got spent. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy and a lot of politics tied towards the Clinton Foundation and were they paying themselves as a sham company. I can tell you there was a lot of good being done from what I heard from someone who was in the trenches, so to speak. So anyhow, <clears throat> excuse me, anyhow and anyway, um, the Gates Foundation and the World Health Organization, giving a, they're going to lift millions of people out of poverty, and that's a big 15 to 20-year trend. I think it's to the extent that the majority of the world's population will no longer be impoverished over the next 20 years. This new wealth is going to produce millions more empowered individuals that will have the means to add to local and national economies. There's a charitable group called the Heifer Foundation, which instead of giving food to a group, they give a cow to a group, so that, that group can now milk the cow. They give a goat to a group, so that group can now make cheese from the goat. Now, of course, sometimes the poor goats can get slaughtered on day one, but it is what it is. There's a lot of good stuff going on out there. So... Because more empowered people are going to have greater access to lethal weapons and networks, which is a capability formerly the monopoly of states, um, but you're going to have the poor people becoming middle class, and you're going to have some middle class becoming kind of like dictators, a little bit too powerful. So we're going to see how that plays out, but it's a trend that you want to pay attention to. I think you're going to see something called the diffusion of power. That's the second big trend in the next 15 to 20 years, where developing countries in Asia are going to become more prominent world powers compared to North American European nations. Now, I like China. I prefer India, but I like China. It doesn't knock China. It just means I prefer as an investor. China alone will probably have the largest economy, surpassing that of the United States in a few years, uh, before 2030 is the thought. In a tectonic shift, the health of the global economy increasingly will be linked to how well the developing world does. In a tectonic shift, the health of the global economy is increasingly going to be linked to how well the developing world does, more so than the traditional West. So you want to invest in some developing market indexes. In other words, having the most money or people won't necessarily keep a country powerful if others are more adept at staying connected to all the data and the resources. Next big major trend that I want to hit on is the demographic patterns. Now, a lot of this stuff you can find at census.org. If you want to do it yourself, I don't suggest that because I'm not talking about doing it yourself for two or three hours once a week. I'm talking about doing it yourself for 50 to 60 hours a week. But the demographic patterns is a combination that's being created of widespread aging, falling fertility, and urbanization, which will lead to a dramatically different world in 2030. With an expected 8.3 billion people, human civilization will be both older and much more focused on city life. Our infrastructure has to improve, but our level of innovation and output is going to slow down without younger workers, and that's going to be a bit of a problem. Aging countries are going to face an uphill battle in maintaining their living standards. Um, again, with the aging of America, one of the best things we have, whether you like it or not, are immigrants, both legal and illegal 
who come here and work and contribute to our economy and do jobs that help us be one of the greatest countries in the world. Um, because we're not making enough babies to fill those jobs. Um, it's entirely possible that within the next several decades, humanity will generate more urban construction than it has in the rest of history, in the next decade. Now, I look at that and I go, man, I've seen San Francisco change. I moved to the Bay Area over 15 years ago, and San Francisco is a quaint big town. Now it's a stuffy big town. The hometown that I chose to choose was literally a, a sleepy town that went to bed at 9 o'clock. And now they've got at least six <clears throat> major um, construction projects going on for single-family apartments. And it's turning into more of a city than a town. And finally, the big trend that I want you to pay attention to is growing demand for food, water, and energy. There's a water ETF. There's two. There's an international one and a domestic one. Google water ETF. You'll find it. A growing middle class. And when you do that, you'll see 15 stocks that you may want to research individually. Or maybe you just go for the index. A growing middle class and gains and empowerment is going to lead the demand for food to rise by 35%, water by 40%, and energy by 50%. Wow. So that's growth. That's better than the 2 to 3% GDP growth we're getting here. Food's going to rise by 35%, water by 40%, and energy by 50%. Regions with extreme weather patterns like rain-soaked Singapore or muggy Mumbai are going to get more extreme due to the effects of climate change. Dry areas such as northern Africa and the U.S. southwest will feel the effects diminished of diminished precipitation especially hard and become more desertified. We will still have enough resources to avoid energy scarcity by 2030. However, the remaining resources, including fracking or renewable forms like solar and wind, um, we've yet to see how much we're going to have them jump up their game. So studying demographics and studying trends, number one concept to winning on Wall Street. You want better than market growth? You've got to find areas that are growing better than said market. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. This is Stock Talk with Rob Black. All these things that you say, all I got is a chance to just sit. Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So Stock Talk has come back to life. It's a show that I did back in, I want to say, 98-2002. It was a national radio show with large exposure in the Bay Area on CNET Radio. Um, so I'm kind of reviving it two hours a week, um, Mondays and Thursdays. And it's a focus on stocks. And when I first launched the show, you know, relaunched the show, I gave you six stocks that I like. One of the six stocks was a company called Alibaba. And um, 
ticker symbol BABA. It's a Chinese company, and they came out and they spanked their numbers. They did well. Alibaba is trading a new all-time high, so if you bought it just a couple weeks ago, you've done very well already. Um, the company reported strong quarterly results. Uh, Non-GAAP, generally accepted accounting um, practices, GAAP. It rose 65%. Revenues rose 56%, well above expectations. Investors are happy the company did not miss on the bottom line two quarters in a row. Uh, Alibaba investors are likely a lot more focused on the top line as the company tries to expand into e-commerce and cloud computing, amongst other businesses, as fast as possible, like Amazon.com. A lot of people don't know that Amazon.com sells concert tickets in Europe, and they're going to start selling concert tickets, I think, in the United States at some point in time if we can break up that Ticketmaster monopoly, which is going to be tough to do. But same thing with Alibaba. They're going, you know, we're not just selling tchotchkes online. You can't just get toilet paper from us. You got to get a lot. There's a lot more out there, and you're going to trust our financial network, and that's kind of what it is. So revenue from core commerce at Alibaba increased 58% year over year to a whopping um, 6.3 billion, driven by robust paying customer growth up 16% quarter to quarter, and improving revenue mix of higher value-added services, as reflected by ongoing ARPU, which is average revenue per user. Sounds dirty, ARPU, but it's average revenue per user. Mobile monthly active users grew 4% sequentially uh, to 529 million. That sounds like a weak number. But revenue from cloud computing increased 96% to 359 million. Market expansion remains the company's top priority in cloud, a lot like Amazon, where Amazon, one of the very first letters that they wrote to shareholders was, we are not going to try to make money for a long time. We're going to try to grow revenue. So back to Alibaba. Revenue from digital media and entertainment increased 30% to 602 million. Alibaba reaffirmed their 45 to 49% revenue growth guidance for fiscal 2018. Management also said it would step up investments in the second half of the year in pursuit of market share. Aggressive. That's reminiscent of American Trailblazer. Amazon.com. Amazon said it will always invest in the long term. Alibaba says it will always invest in the long term. Which is an investor, if you're long term, that's what you want to hear. Alibaba has a market cap of $430 billion and trades with a low to mid-30s earnings multiple. SoftBank owns 29% of the company and um, also Altibaba, which is not Alibaba, it's Altibaba, ticker symbol AABA, owns 15.2%. So if you don't want to own Alibaba, you could try to take a look at SoftBank if you like what they're doing in the United States with their investments and it wouldn't span, or you could look at Altibaba as well. So when you take a look at Alibaba, um, again, it's not for everyone, and it's something you just kind of have to start feeling comfortable with. It's a Chinese company, and in the earlier segment, I talked about how China will outpace the U.S. economy by 2030, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's. It, I, I'm going to just say it is what it is, right? Alibaba Group is a treasure trove of e-commerce websites in Asia. The holding company owns Alibaba. It's actually called Alibaba Group, uh, Group Services. But you would say that they compete with Amazon, eBay, and Baidu. 
They're trying to get more of a presence in the United States. The Alibaba Group also wholly owns Alibaba Cloud Computing, which supports its technology platform, Taobao and Taobao Mall, China's largest online retail websites, its web portal, China Yahoo. Alibaba Group websites count millions of registered users. The group was founded in 1999 by a guy named Jack Ma, and he's the majority owner of SoftBank and Yahoo. Um, it went public in 2014. Alibaba acquired Chinese online video provider Yokutodu for $4.6 billion. So Alibaba in the news. Now, again, is it appropriate for you? I don't have the answer for you on that one. It's a growth stock. Are you a grandma? Probably not for you. Are you someone who gets panicked out of the market? Probably not for you. Um, but yeah, you know the numbers, no doubt about it, are pretty strong numbers in my opinion. And the company is trading all-time highs, which is kind of where you want to see it. Uh, they have that Singles Day, November 11th, coming up. Um, where I think you'll want to pay attention to that because it's a lot like Amazon's Prime Day, which is a made-up holiday. So from Alibaba's Investor Day, they want to help merchants become a digital operation by digitizing five retail components, which is the customer, product inventory, orders, payment, and loyalty. They want to digitize all that for their customers, uh, for their clients, um, for their merchants, I guess is the best way of saying it. Digital media entertainment platform is expanding. They're trying to build a content generation ecosystem to generate in different formats, video, news feeds, live events, and movies. Um, their numbers are ahead of Walmart. So um, it's just a company that you should take a look at. Most analysts that I see have prices targets that range from 140, uh, 140 to 201 with some around 180, 190, 175. And when you take a look at the price, you know, currently, you know, keep in mind you'll probably see price targets go up. I'm not gushing. I'm not pushing it. I want you to be very wise and, and thoughtful about how you build your portfolio. I think portfolios should be built around the concept of a baseball team. You don't need nine power hitters. Is it nice to have the Yankees lineup where they seem to have four or five guys who can knock it out of the park on a swing? Sure, it's nice when you're winning 14 to 7, but when those guys are striking out, you're losing 7 to nothing. So, I want you to have a shortstop who can get everywhere. That may be, you know, a tech company like a Facebook. I want you to own some power, some defensive stocks, some retail companies. Things that, you know, you build a portfolio so that it works together, some income, some companies that are tied towards, or some sectors or some ETFs that are tied towards uh, developing markets, which are going to continue to grow in power. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. And the words come from my mouth. She came and hit me like lightning. I wasn't shocked by how she turned me
Join the conversation. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. It's 130% true. I'm Rob Black, talking to money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Consumer staples. These are things that you have to... Uh, they're in our lives. It's probably the best way of saying it. It would be a sector. The Consumer Discretionary Select Sector is a Spider ETF XLY. Consumer staples. Um, not discretionary, discretionary versus staples. Uh, very subtle thought, but yet a big thought nonetheless. Ticker symbol XLP. That's the Consumer Staples Selector uh, Spider Exchange Traded Fund XLP. So when market as a whole is in a long-term trend of up, there's always going to be cross-currents to track. How does discretionary do against staples? How does technology do against energy? How does, and again, utilities and telecom defensive areas do against healthcare, another defensive area. But a defensive area healthcare that has a little bit more growth than, say, the utilities. Uh, talking stocks, talking sectors, stock talk, Rob Black. There now seems to be a slight shift, ultimately, towards a more defensive posture as Wall Street looks at you know where we are, how many up years we've had, who the president is, how the economy is doing. And at some points, we get a little more excited when we see uh, productivity numbers dropping, where we see unemployment numbers, um, you know, the employment numbers in the United States, what percentage is employed, but also what percentage is young that's employed. Uh, so we have to look inside the, inside the numbers on ESPN. We have to look inside the lines. Um, so if you look, you know, when people are fearful, you'll see like an improvement in utility stocks and an improvement in consumer staples and an improvement in telecom. Uh, because ultimately we feel we have to have these things in our life. The consumer staple sector is getting a bit more love now, and it's something you should pay attention to as it was an underperformer, thus creating some value. It does not have a big growth component because it's tied towards populations, it's tied towards margins, it's tied towards you know distribution. There's not a lot you can do there to shake things up. There's a subtle change right now going on, and it certainly does not call for a huge reallocation towards consumer staples, but I think it's a nice complement to a defensive position. So some household name stocks and soft drinks, consumer non-durables, even adult beverages are setting new highs. Um, it's worth paying attention to. The defensive staples group is threatening a major performance gain versus the more aggressive discretionary group. <clears throat> If you put the two charts right next to each other, you would kind of see that. So one of the things that is a good packaged company, like here's a company that I think you can own for the long term. You may not be a winner. You may not have the best use of capital. You may not be the guy who goes, I'm wearing 14 gold medals. I'm going to swim against a shark. Procter & Gamble. I would go as far as to say it's downright boring on a lot of levels. But they got a lot of stuff where we keep talking about, no, not we, I keep talking about how developing nations are going to continue to develop around Asia. 
and they're going to continue to have more wealth creation tied towards the middle class. And when you have that, you've got a demand that ultimately grows for products that we need in our life. That, again, um, I think that's a good thing. Um, it's kind of like the idea of, and I say a lot of offensive things on radio, and I'm trying to do less of it as I go forward because I'm tired of people complaining about just one little thing. That <laughs> is not appropriate behavior, okay? Brock and Gamble and Johnson Johnson make a lot of things that, you know, we need to stay clean. Uh, toothpaste, things like that. With Procter & Gamble, their brands are billion-dollar sellers. They've got Always, Braun, Crest, Fusion, Gillette, Head & Shoulders, Mach 3, Oil of Olay. It brings out the sensual beauty in all women. Oh, oh wait, I'll check it. Oil of Olay brings out the essential beauty in all women. Zooby, zooby, zooby. So which one do I want to... Emphasize the women or the all? The all women or the all women? So, Procter and Gamble's got billion dollar brands. Um, again, Crest. Now, when you give someone a job, they need to brush their teeth. Um, Braun, Gillette, shaving, head and shoulders. I actually had a girlfriend, not, a, not someone I was dating, but she was a friend who. When she got upset about guys, she would rate the two guys that she was interested in, and one of them was like, oh, he slouches a little bit. He doesn't hold my hand. He, he puts me on the side. When on the sidewalk, he has me closer to traffic. I'm like, you really overthink things. But one of them was like, he's got dandruff. And I'm like, buy him some head and shoulders. Um, but no, she was bothered by it. Yeah. So anyway, always Braun, Crest, Fusion, Gillette, Head & Shoulders, Mach 3, Oil of Olay, Pantene, as well as Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. But not only that, Charmin, which, for the record, if I ever lose a pillow, I'm just going to stuff the pillowcase with Charmin because it's like sleeping on clouds. You get Dawn that um, cuts through grease, and Rosie puts her hands in it, and it, it, it's like getting a massage. You get Downy, Gain, Pampers, Pampers, oh... Don't even get me started on diapers. We have to come up with a better system. And then there's Tide. So other major brands include Febreze, Mr. Clean, Old Spice, and Swiffer. So that's what you have when you have Procter & Gamble. When you have Procter & Gamble, you have a ticker symbol of PG. Now, again, is this going to get you rich? Nope. I don't think so. Not in the short term. It's going to be the tortoise and the hare. And you're going to be the tortoise. So it's not going to get you in a lot of trouble. Um, so take a look at it. It's ticker symbol is PG. Um, and again, it's on the defensive side that's underperformed, that's now starting to perform. You know, you get a 3% dividend yield. Go put $100 in your bank, go put $100 in Procter & Gamble, and you're going to be richer in a year from Procter & Gamble's dividends than you are from your bank's dividends. doesn't mean you should own it. It just means you should think about it. It's got a relatively high P.E. for the current scenario, but in the long term, not so crazy. So taking a look at Procter Gamble, their stock breaks out. Technical indicators are lined up to support the move. The company posted higher earnings in the most recent quarter, despite a slump in consumer spending. Uh, another consumer giant that I want you to take a look at that's broken out is PepsiCo. Uh, and you go, people aren't drinking Pepsi anymore. But they go out and buy with companies like Buy. 
um, who makes antioxidant infusion, Sanpado, strawberry lemonades. When you take a look at Pepsi, you know, again, you're not, you'd be wrong to limit yourself, in my opinion, and go soda water. Because Pepsi is so much more than that. Um, with, you know, you're talking to a company that does bottling, you're talking to a company that does Doritos and Gatorade. And if you go watch a movie called Fed Up, you're going like, to hate companies like this. Because you're going to say they're rotting our kids' teeth out, and you know, on top of it, uh, they may not be—they may be low fat, but they're high sugar, and high sugar is probably more problem. Like, it just makes you loco in the cocoa when you start thinking about you know all the stuff that's going on uh, with corporations, and uh, you know, with PepsiCo, you're talking about a company that has a female CEO in their new year. The number two carbonated soft drink maker, and you got Mountain Dew, you got Pepsi, you got you know, cola is not the only beverage. They also have Tropicana orange juice. Try to go to a grocery store and see who owns the orange juice aisle. It's Coca Cola and it's Pepsi. They got Gatorade, they got Sobe Teas, they got Aquafina, they got Ruffles. Try to eat just one. I dare you. Lay's Ruffles, uh, Cheetos. Uh, the high end Cheetos restaurant just opened in New York City, and they've got a thousand person wait list. Now, Let's just repeat that, a high-end Cheetos restaurant. When I was a kid, all I wanted to do was sit on the couch, watch TV, and eat Cheetos, and don't talk to me while I was watching my cartoons. So they also have Quaker Foods, which makes breakfast cereals like life. Mikey likes it. Mikey died. He ate so much life cereal, he died. They've got rice aroni. It's the San Francisco treat. Not, but it is rice aroni which dominates the rice section of, of your supermarket. they got Near East Side dishes. Pepsi products are available in 200-plus countries. 200-plus um, countries. U.S. is about 56% of their sales. So when you buy Pepsi, you're buying an international company in the good times and the bad times. I'll be by your side forevermore. That's what friends are for. I thought I was going to get a dreadful. I thought I was going to get a dreadful. You will never, ever, ever have a career in singing. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Oh, Robert, I think so, you just killed my favorite song of all time. If you're looking for a longer-term buy-and-hold idea, Pepsi's name. I've liked it for a while. Um, it's not just soda, like I said. They're cereals. You know, there is going to be always issues where consumers are moving away from carbonated sodas and, you know, cities are trying to tax sodas and sodas are so bad for you. But it's like buying a cigarette company like a Philip Morris or an Altria. People are going to continue smoking. Now, not at the rate that they were, but as long as they're paying dividends, it's an investment idea. My dad died from cancer and from smoking and being involved with the United States Army. Another consumer discretionary company... Staples Company, I want you to take a look at his Constellation Brands and Diageo, STZ and DEO. Um, they're companies that have recently broken out, and like I said, they were long-term value plays that have turned to a little bit of a growth catalyst cycle change. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show. This is Stock Talk with Rob Black.
Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold bought. Lloyd, my buddy. One of the greatest scenes in movie history in my life. Not in your life, but in mine. It meant something to me. Anyhow, and anyway, you can always find me online at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show, and I'm talking stocks Mondays and Thursdays. CFP Chad Burton talks wealth preservation and wealth creation Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then on Friday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., we do kind of a best of. Just worthy of note. Um, study some data. They say that the waters in the northeast of the United States are getting warmer. Guess what's showing up? Sharks and whales. Now, is there a correlation between warmer water and sharks and whales? Yes, there is. And that's something I want you to just to kind of think about. You don't have to, you know, um, get consumed with data, but think about it. Um, one of the areas that I talk about that I like is India. And I think you should have some exposure to Asia. And there's so many ways to do it. I want you to figure out what's best for you. I want some sort of exposure to India. In the past, I've pointed out the case for you know India. Some of the focus has been on the macro aspects, some on reforms, and the rest on market trends. Um, some of the headlines uh, that come out of India are things like it can triple in the next five years. Uh, I'm pretty bullish when I could say that. Now, again, I don't want you to say, I haven't saved enough money for retirement. I better try to get some of the triples. But India's growth is tied heavily towards structural changes and domestic investments. Over the last few years, the Modi government, uh, the Modi government, has laid the foundation to revamp India's economy. Now, this is long-term. It's a structural shift. You know, indirect taxation overhaul. So this is one of the biggest tax overhauls done by any nation, and it's got a far-reaching impact on their economy. Under the country's federal taxation structure, businesses previously had to keep track of a laundry list of taxes they move from state to state within the country. This meant serious inefficiencies in the system and encouraged tax, you know, Evasion, especially by smaller businesses that found evading taxes easier than reporting taxes. So earlier this year, India brought all of its 29 states and seven union territories on board and implemented what's called a GST, which is a unification of a tax regime and the taxation of all goods and services. Um, just under two roofs, there's a state and there's a central Tax reform, you'll hear the United States talk about it, and you kind of get it because you're like, business taxes, I can't believe the businesses don't pay their fair taxes. And I'll tell you what, businesses pay a lot in taxes, but are they going to try to beat the system? Yeah. Do I try to beat the system with my taxes as best I can? I don't cheat, but do I try to be as aggressive as possible? Yeah. Um, So easier tax policy for India will lead to higher tax reporting and auditing and will bring the entire country under one tax umbrella. India's economic expansion can go from 1% to 2% because of the increased efficiency in that system. 
Then you get India getting digitized. If you've ever watched movies like Slumdog Millionaire, you're like, man, that's a backwards country. It's not, that's not the country. And if you watch that movie from where it starts to where it finishes, you're like, whoa, they went through a lot of changes. And that's the most exposure most Americans have to India. One of the biggest hurdles for India's growth has been its untracked informal economy, which constitutes roughly 85% of the $2.4 trillion GDP. It's been their untracked informal economy. As we live in the age of data, and a lack of data makes it difficult to improve existing systems, that will play to your favor. India is on the verge of completing a digital biometric retina scanner and fingerprint system called Aadhaar. This will be mandatory for all the ways in which an individual interacts with the overall economy, from opening a bank account to filing a tax return. It's a unique identifier that will be needed for everything. It's a country that's got 1.2 billion people bigger than the United States. This means zillions of data points over the next few years for machine learning algorithms, making India a diamond mine for data analytics. It also means more targeted responses by the government from directing subsidies to the needing uh, by catching the corrupt. It's a push for digitization and governance for banking and it's implied cleaner and transparent work in the public and private sectors. You have a lot of financial sector reforms going on in India. They've been liberalizing its economy by opening up various sectors to foreign investors and introducing various reforms. You've heard about Apple going into India Uh because they want to sell to their 1.2 billion people. And India wants them to come in because they're going to bring jobs. Over the past few months, the government of India has implemented a host of financial sector reforms, implementing a bankruptcy code, merging foreign direct investment and foreign institutional investment, into a mandatory banking with a welfare public scheme, public welfare scheme. Um, so they got a lot going on, to say the least. They have a good balance cleanup going on, a balance sheet cleanup for India. The Reserve Bank of India has been working actively with banks to stress test, identify and restructure bad assets, making India's banks healthier. Um, they have a banking system which is pushed by their government now. So trying to get more people to use banks. If you ever have played the game Civilization by Sid Meier on a computer and if you haven't, go ask some guy who's 35, 40. He probably has. Uh, um, One of the inventions that helps change your civilization is banking. So each of the steps that I've talked about already indicates a fundamental shift that's going on in India and the Indian economy. These structural changes will be propellers that accelerate India's economic engine. It's just started to warm up. Since India grew 6 to 7% for the last decade with a mere 3% of its employable population paying taxes, 3% of its population paying taxes, now they're making it much more simple to pay your taxes and much more mandatory to have a bank account to track you. So with 85% of their economy basically untracked in the shadow world, with banks having no hope of recovered assets gone bad, and with more than half the population having no bank account, it's difficult to guess how the country will grow after all these parameters change forever for the favor and betterment of investors and you. Think about India. I'm Rob Black. The closer you get to retirement, the more you need to start thinking about how you can get the most out of your nest egg. Hi, I'm Rob Black. On September 9th, I'll be in San Rafael, along with CFP Chad Burton and attorney Michelle Lerman, for a special event focused on retirement income strategies and estate planning. We're going to help you get a better picture of how to manage your retirement income so that it lasts longer, lets you live comfortably, and protects your family. Which accounts you should draw from first? What's the best way to manage your IRAs and your 401ks? How should you handle your Social Security? 
We'll cover all that and show you how to minimize your taxes. And we'll go over retirement products, which ones are the good ones, which ones to avoid. What if long-term care becomes an issue? That could drain your entire estate if you don't protect it. Just the tip of the iceberg. Join us Saturday, September 9th, 10 to noon at Sheraton San Rafael. Register now at robblackshow.com. For KDOW listeners, we'll waive the $25 fee. Just use promo code RADIO25 when you register. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. Hope to see you there. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.